This is the Daily Signal podcast for Tuesday, December 6th. I'm Virginia Allen. Thousands of Americans were glued to Twitter on Friday night watching the release of breaking news related to Twitter's role in the censorship of a New York Post story about Hunter Biden in 2020. And there was information in that story regarding uh, a laptop that belonged to Hunter Biden, and Twitter censored that content, and many people asked the question, why? Well, we started to find out some of that why on Friday, and the release of the news is being called the Twitter Files. And here with us to talk about that is Heritage Foundation Research Associate in Tech Policy, Jake Denton. Jake, welcome back. Ah, Thanks for having me. So Elon Musk and Twitter, they continue to make headlines. Very entertaining. So the news that broke on Friday is truly some of the biggest news related to Twitter, I think, in the history of the platform. Jake, let's start at the very beginning. Give us the big picture. What are the Twitter files? Yeah, so this is basically a collection of internal communications from Twitter predating Elon Musk's acquisition of the platform. So this is kind of implicating the past leadership, and basically it's a testament to their failure to really keep an eye on things. I think the biggest story really, aside from uh, these revelations about the nature of their censorship, is that Jack Dorsey was just enabled to really like keep the reins on his own employees. They kind of went rogue on him. Um, and so when Elon came in, right, if you recall, everyone was shocked that he would just go through and fire everybody. But these are the employees that went behind the back of the past leadership and rolled out probably one of the biggest censorship operations in the history of our country and really the history of the internet. Wow. And I, I do want to touch on that that point that you mentioned about Jack Dorsey, because that was one thing that was fascinating, that in this long thread of there was probably about 40-some tweets that were released that broke down kind of piece by piece, laid out this is what was happening at Twitter, and then led up to really breaking all of this news about Hunter Biden uh, and the censorship of that New York Post story. And one thing that was said is Jack Dorsey didn't seem to be very involved, at least initially. Where was Dorsey? Yeah, I mean, it's really a great question. And if you were following the releases of these tweets, right, they were coming out in basically like 15 to 20 minute intervals. People were beginning to paint Dorsey almost as a victim, right? But I think it's more of a testament to his incompetence, right? He's a, not a really a great leader um, if his own lieutenants are going behind his back and doing something like this. Um, you know, maybe there were too many fires that Dorsey was trying to put out. And um, obviously, the platform wasn't in a good space during his transition to Parag taking over the previous CEO. Um, but it's really inexcusable. I mean, the 2020 election cycle was the biggest thing happening to the platform. And the idea that Dorsey wouldn't know that this big censorship, this collaboration between the DNC and Twitter's trust and safety team was happening is crazy. I mean, that should have never happened. Hmm. Now, one of the things that was very fascinating um, that was released was that there was some email exchanges that took place between a very high uh, official at Twitter and a, a Democrat congressman, uh, Rokana. And essentially, the, the congressman, the Democrat congressman, expressed some concerns that this censorship was a violation of the First Amendment. Uh, and the, the exchange there back and forth was interesting. And then even watching the press's reaction. The The Atlantic published a piece saying, uh, titled, Elon Musk and Tucker Carlson don't understand the First Amendment. So did Twitter, in censoring the Hunter Biden uh, laptop story, did they violate the First Amendment, yes or no? Well, it's kind of a, a maybe, right? I mean, 
it's a it's a social media platform, and our lack of regulation has basically allowed them, empowered them to censor Americans. And you know, we can say it's a violation of the First Amendment, but when there's no basically desire from our legislators or regulators to protect the First Amendment, it's like, what does that really even mean anymore? Um, mm -hmm. We've had violations of the First Amendment on social media since basically the origins of the platforms, and there's essentially no cases of you know us going after these companies from stripping the voice from Americans. And so it's really difficult to say if it even like matters in the context of what we've reduced the First Amendment down to. If you can't go on and voice your opinion and no one's going to protect that, um, you know, even if it is a violation of the First Amendment, it's like, what does that even mean anymore? Hmm. Wow. So in, in addition to so much information being released about Hunter Biden and, and that laptop and the censorship over that story, there was also just some general information released in this long, long thread uh, about how Twitter operated before Elon Musk took over. Uh, one of the tweets reads, uh, by 2020, requests from connected actors to delete tweets were routine. One executive would write to another, more to review from the Biden team, and the reply would come back handled. What do you make of this, Jake? Well, it's really interesting because, you know, it says more to review, which implies there were previous communications. This yeah. is, a, you know, a routine procedure. They weren't caught off guard. They didn't need more context to that email. Um, so to me, what it signals is that this is like a longstanding program in which, you know, the DNC, the Biden campaign, any other number of campaigns, there was actually a report that Katie Hobbs was doing the same thing in Arizona. Um, and so, I mean, it sounds like a very well-established uh, kind of known thing within the political operative world that you can reach out to Twitter and they'll just handle, you know, the dissent or the, the commentary that your candidate doesn't like. And so I think it really is just a testament, you know, as we were previously talking about, to Dorsey's incompetence. I mean, how do you allow for this to happen? Um, that you can't plead ignorance when you're that high of an executive. You're running the ship. Um, it's, it's really concerning. Hmm. Do any of the people who were um, directly involved in this censorship, in the activity of you know, fielding and censoring content, apparently what appears to be for, for the Biden team, do any of them still work at Twitter that we know of? Uh, so a lot of the, the turnover has already occurred, right? So we had uh, Vijay Gad, who was like the chief legal officer, the main essentially power behind getting Trump off of the platform was one of the first to be fired. Yoel Roth is now out. He was another one of these key architects. Um, but, you know, some of these press-type staffers, some of these uh, government relations folks are all still kind of avoiding this inevitable firing. I don't think um, by the time, you know, Twitter files 2, 3, 4, whatever we end up getting rolls around that some of these names won't be gone. I think it's pretty likely that the turnover occurs. It's just um, he's prioritized essentially the worst of the worst and has worked his way down. So, um, I mean, we'll likely see a lot of turnover with the D.C. team of Twitter and uh, kind of the affiliated folks. I don't think they survive this. Yeah. Wow. Now, I, I want to touch back and talk a little bit more about the Hunter Biden laptop story and the censorship of it. So we saw how the whole thing unraveled in many ways on Twitter and sort of this frenzy of back and forth emails that took place right after the censorship in October of, uh, of 2020. Uh, and information um, that the journalist who, who broke this on Twitter, uh, really per, uh, per Elon Musk, one of the things that he noted was he spoke with someone, a, a former Twitter employee who 
said really the response from Twitter was them freelancing it. They were almost sort of trying to figure it out as they went along. And he added hacking was the excuse. But within a few hours, pretty much everyone realized that wasn't going to hold. But no one had the guts to reverse it. So you know, the initial response from Twitter was they had concerns that this Hunter Biden laptop story was hacked material. Uh, but now we have uh, claims being made that, no, that was just sort of all uh, a big a big lie in many ways. Yeah, it's actually some of those parts in the, the Twitter files read almost like comedy, right? I mean, you're scrolling through and you have uh, Twitter employees basically saying, you know, can we do this? Mm-hmm. Like, are we allowed to? You know, does this hold up if we have another story of this kind? Are we going to do the same thing? Um, and I think they were really just figuring it out as they went on. Uh, no one was really looking over them, right? I think it's cited, you know, the lack of oversight um, is really how this came about. And I think that's absolutely true. Um, you know, there's actually a funny uh, side story to this with uh, reports that essentially the FBI warned Twitter that a, you know, hacked story is going to be coming about um, and that, you know, they should keep an eye on it. And it's it's very funny to think of the word warned, right? Because it has, you know, a couple of different meanings. Warned as then, like, you know, we should be concerned about this story. You're also warned as in you should take action on this, right? It's hard to really discern mm. the way it's being reported, what that meant um, in that context. And so I think the government angle here is going to also be quite interesting. We know that Facebook was working with the FBI and the Department of Homeland Security throughout the 2020 cycle, and that's definitely not an isolated instance. You have to assume that those communications went out uh, you know, to Twitter and their other social media platforms. And I think we're probably going to see within the next few drops uh, the extent to which, whether it be the White House or affiliated executive branch agencies, were in contact with Twitter. So what does accountability then look like in this situation? Because as you say, so many of these folks who were so involved in this, they no longer work at Twitter. Yeah, well, it's really tough to say because there's no shortage of essentially stories of corporate malfeasance uh, within Silicon Valley, whether that be executives, you know, compromising user data through incompetent cybersecurity procedures or, you know, the silencing of ordinary Americans. But we've never really had corporate accountability for these uh, Silicon Valley folks. There's no urgency on either side of the aisle to have these people actually held accountable. Uh, You know, when they get before Congress for a hearing, they basically dodge every question or just outright lie to the American people about the nature of whether it be the censorship or uh, what's happening at these companies. And so I think it's actually very tough to say what comes next because, it's basically just been a slap on the wrist or turning the blind eye up to this point. But I think the American people are growing impatient and they want more. Um, and so, you know, who's going to give it to them? I don't think it'll be Biden's DOJ, which basically leaves the Republican majority in the upcoming uh, Congress and the House side um, to provide some form of justice here. But really tough to say if it's going to be achievable. Hmm. Now, what do you think was Musk's strategy in using Twitter? to release all this information, the very platform that was responsible for the censorship in the first place. Yeah, it's very interesting because I think it's all framed around bringing basically transparency back to the platform in order to restore trust. Um, If you recall, just a few weeks ago, the FTX story came out. And I think what people saw very quickly is that when Twitter isn't being censored, you know, when, you know, citizen journalism can actually occur, the folks on Twitter actually do a much better job honestly reporting on these stories that implicate corporate media and kind of the ruling class than these establishment brands, whether that be the New York Times or any other uh, publication. We can trust the individual reporters on this platform a lot more than, you know, a blue checked uh, kind of 
authentic journalist who you know went to an IV and uh, got their credential. Uh, we'd rather trust you know just the guy who lives in the middle of America and really wants to get answers. And so, I think doing this through a Substack journalist, someone who isn't really bound by a, a corporate interest, we're able to kind of trust the reporting and the spin on it a lot more than essentially these intertwined uh, kind of supporting characters from the original story, right? I mean, uh, the Hunter Biden laptop story didn't just get censored on Twitter. You couldn't find it on Google. You couldn't find it in any publication. Um, so why go back to those people and have them report to us? Mm -hmm. Now, what happens next? What can we expect? Has Musk said he's going to be releasing more of this type of information? Yeah. So if we just think back, I mean, 2020 was really just the tip of the iceberg. Um, that was the beginning of essentially all of the censorship. Uh, we quickly jumped into the COVID era, um, which was probably where this really caught you know a stride here. Um, they figured out how to censor. They were doing it more efficiently. If you recall, you know, just not only about two months ago, we had reports from a, the Missouri Attorney General, Eric Schmidt, uh, basically saying that the White House is reaching out to Facebook and telling them, you know, take down these posts. Uh, if you don't think that was happening with Twitter, I mean, you're definitely mistaken. There were 100% outreach from the White House. And so it's really tough to say what he'll prioritize next in the releases, but there will be no shortage of content. I think the American people definitely want to know about COVID. And I think Elon will probably give it to him. Yeah, well, we're going to be watching this as it continues to unfold. Jake Denton of the Heritage Foundation, thank you so much for your time today. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. We get it. With big media bias, it's hard to find accurate, honest news. That's why we've put together the Morning Bell Newsletter, a compilation of the top stories and conservative commentary. To subscribe, just head to dailysignal.com slash morning bell subscription or visit dailysignal.com and click on the connect button at the top of the page. So fascinating to hear Jake break that down for us today. Thank you all so much for joining for our conversation on Twitter and Elon Musk. We're going to, as we said, continue to, to bring you all information as likely more information is going to be released on Twitter by Elon Musk regarding some of the things that went on while Jack Dorsey was CEO. If you haven't had the chance, though, already, be sure to take just a moment today to leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you like to listen. It makes such a difference for us, and we love hearing your feedback. Thanks again for listening. Have a wonderful day, and we'll be right back here with you at 5 p.m. for our Top News Edition. The Daily Signal podcast is brought to you by more than half a million members of the Heritage Foundation. Executive producers are Rob Bluey and Kate Trinko. Producers are Virginia Allen, Samantha Asheris, and Jillian Richards. Sound design by Lauren Evans, Mark Guiney, and John Pop. To learn more, please visit DailySignal.com.